Welcome in to the PHNX D-Backs podcast. My name is Jesse Friedman, joined today by the one, the only Jacob Franklin, who is joining me from behind the Mac. Jacob, how are you today? Uh, good. I, I think this will probably be the longest we've ever had an extended look at the uh, the back of our office over here. Like producers have occasionally That's popped fair. on from this chair, um, but I have a feeling people are going to get a real gist of what goes on on a day-to-day basis. Well, there, is a, there is a, a foosball table behind you, which gets used in our office very frequently. People very frequently. It's just, actually the thing that gets used the most. Yeah, yeah. We just can't keep people away from the foosball table. Uh, so you'll probably, you'll probably see some action there throughout the show. Uh, no, you will not. That literally just sits there. And I don't think I've seen anyone play it in, in the months. The ASU guys um, used to play it all the time. But sadly, the ASU guys, you know. It's really just Totri now. So he kind of, yeah. I don't know if you've ever come in here during a post game for ASU. He kind of just drops the ball and then just watches it. He yeah, just stares w- at it. Well, uh, well, hey, uh, hearty ski to everyone in the chat, as people have already started to say. Uh, happy to have you all here with us again. I'm Jesse Friedman here with Jacob, uh, continuing along in this week without one Derek Montia, who is still off doing his mayoral. I don't, who need, I don't who needs him? I, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure what Derek is up to this week. I think he I was think he's just, at Top Golf right now. Is he at Top Golf? Yeah. Top golf is that's a it's a solid it's a solid place to be on a on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, but hey, we have a lot to get to in today's show. Uh, we're gonna talk a lot about Zach Gallon in this episode, which I'm excited to get into some of the specifics there and what it might look like for Zach Gallon to take the next step in 2024. But before we get there, Jacob, we are going to start the show in this first segment looking back on a very big trade that the Diamondbacks made just about a year ago. Uh, I wrote about this over at gophnx.com the other day. Wanted to bring it over to the podcast as well. Uh, December 23rd, uh, just a couple days before Christmas, back in 2023, the Diamondbacks and the Toronto Blue Jays made one of the most fascinating trades of that offseason, one of the more fascinating trades in all of baseball over the last few years. You don't really see deals like this uh, a whole lot where two teams are simultaneously taking talented major league ready players off their roster at the same time. This of course was the trade that sent Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno to the Diamondbacks in exchange for Dalton Varsho going the other direction. And what I want to make clear about this before we, before we get into uh, the meat of this conversation, I think a lot of people have forgotten how big of a risk this was for the Diamondbacks at the time. Uh, Dalton Varsho was a really good player for the Diamondbacks in 2020 in 2022. Not that the numbers are necessarily going to you know jump off the page. Uh, he was in the mid 20s in, in home runs. His OPS was decent. But what makes him such an incredibly valuable player is the fact that he's basically the most valuable uh, defender in all of baseball. I mean, what he's able to give you in the outfield is truly off the charts. According to Fangraph's wins above replacement, he was the most valuable position player on the Diamondbacks in 2022. And the Diamondbacks were like, hey, we're trying to take the next step toward contention and we're going to trade off our major league team, you know, arguably the most valuable position player that we have. And in exchange, the D-backs got two players. They got Lourdes Gurriel, who at the time was just a one-year rental, and they were making an enormous bet on one Gabriel Moreno, who, of course, really emerged over the course of the 2023 season. Jacob, as a Diamondbacks fan in general, I imagine in retrospect, 
you're a huge fan of this trade. Obviously, it's still early, but I think any Diamondbacks fan in their right mind is pretty happy that, you know, even though Dalton Varsho is a valuable player and and certainly missed here in Arizona, Gabriel Moreno is is sort of a cornerstone piece for, for this team for years to come. Yeah, it was one of those, like, you know how people say hindsight's 50-50, right? Well, in this case, hindsight is the positive side of 50-50. I mean, at the time, yeah. people are, you, you kind of felt something like this might happen. I mean, obviously, the Diamondbacks have had a, a tremendous amount of outfield depth um, that's been built up over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, and so you knew that a piece might fall at some point. You had Corbin, you had Alec, you had Jake McCarthy, you have Dalton Varsho at the time. Um, obviously, we, you know, Drew Jones was at some point down the pipeline. It was so it's one of those like you knew that some domino had to fall at some point, and you didn't know whether it was going to be Alec Thomas. You didn't know whether yeah i know leah just called me out hindsight's 50 <laughs> hindsight's not 50 50 um but uh it's one of those something had to happen and so it was it, catching is not a, a position of strength for this organization yeah and, and it never really has been um so it's it was sad to see him go but at the same time i think everybody knew that gabby moreno was one of the top prospects uh in baseball um over his tenure in the minor leagues and so it was just i was optimistic at the time and i, I wasn't although his value was incredibly high i wasn't the biggest dalton varsho fan um in terms of i just felt like i wanted to see more bat on ball than i did sure um and, you know he hit the ball ball hard when he did make contact but it was just one of those you wanted to see more and i just didn't really see enough from him that even though the value was high the war was high it just to me it wasn't translating into what i was seeing on the field yeah i think that's a fair point um you know it's one thing to look at a, at a war number on fan graphs and be like wow this guy's like a top 15 position player in the national league or whatever. And then you look at his offensive line and you're like, all right, this guy hit 235 with a 302 on base percentage. Those aren't, you know, middle of the order type numbers necessarily, even though he, he certainly did have some power. Um, and, and it's interesting to go to look back on how blue Jays fans reacted in the moment. Obviously blue Jays fans are, are not super happy about it uh, right now. At least that seems to be the general consensus given the season that Moreno had and the fact that Varsho struggled quite a bit in his first season with, with the Blue Jays. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, but yeah, there was this initial, if you were a Blue Jays fan, you're like, wow, we just traded a, a prospect of Gabriel Moreno's caliber uh, for a guy who hit you know 235. Like These are not numbers that casual fans look at and, and are excited about. But again, so much value, you know, so Defensively. So much value defensively that I think a lot of people overlooked. And that's why this was a really big risk for the Diamondbacks at the time. Varsho was, you know, an emerging part of this of this young core, had four years of team control remaining at the time of the trade. Uh, and yeah, I mean, now looking back, I guess this would be a good time to, to look at some stats for, for 2023 and, and where each of these guys lined up. If we start uh, with Dalton Varsho and the season that he had with the Toronto Blue Jays, not great. I just mentioned this, uh, a 220 average, 285 on base, 389 slugging percentage. He did hit 20 home runs. There was still a showing of power there. He had 27 defensive runs saved, which I believe led all major league fielders in general, just everyone. The crazy thing um, is when you watch him play, defensively he doesn't like it's not flashy that's fair yeah. like if you watch him he he it's not like he's going out there he's not kevin kiermeyer and robbing home runs and diving for baseballs and making 
crazy, stupid plays. Like it's just he does your your mundane stuff incredibly well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he does all of those things well. And, and you might not really notice the amount of value that he's bringing you. But again, even in a season like this, where the offensive numbers were, were relatively poor, I think it was an 85 OPS plus for Varsho in his first full season with the Blue Jays. He still worth 3.9 wins above replacement, according to baseball reference, which is an utterly ridiculous number for a guy who is like a well, a well below average hitter. Uh, if we flip over to Gabriel Moreno and the season he had with the Diamondbacks, um, here are his numbers, a 284 average, 337 on base, 408 slugging percentage, seven home runs, 50 RBI, 20 defensive runs saved. Uh, Varsho and Moreno were both near the near the very top of the league. Varsho was at the very top. Moreno not far behind him in terms of defensive runs saved. Both tremendously valuable defensive players. According to baseball reference, Gabriel Moreno worth 4.3 war. Uh, so just a little bit, a little bit higher than Varsho in 2023. And yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Moreno's numbers, you look at Varsho's numbers in year one. It's pretty clear the Diamondbacks in year one got the better side of this trade. Um, when I asked Mike Hazen about this a couple of months ago, he was he wasn't going to come out and say that this was a big win for the D-backs. He said he thought it was a win for both sides. Uh, but he also said that without it, the Diamondbacks don't go as far as they go, as they went. They not only, you know, maybe don't make it to the World Series, but they probably don't make the playoffs in the first place. The Diamondbacks lost Carson Kelly, of course, early in the season. Uh, and then Gabriel Moreno, uh, you know, steps in and is is basically your everyday catcher from day one. And that was that was enormous for the Diamondbacks to have someone who is ready and able to step into that spot without Gabriel Moreno. The, I mean, it would have been theoretically Jose Herrera probably stepping into the everyday role. Uh, the D-backs probably would have brought in another catcher in the offseason if Moreno had not uh, come over in that trade. But the D-backs obviously would have been in a in a much worse, a much worse position there. Yeah, it's one of those when you think back on this last season, the the streak that Lourdes went on at the beginning of the season was pretty much the key factor in how this team put together probably one of the most successful starts to a season when they were 41 and 25. Yeah. Are they 41 and 25 if Lourdes doesn't basically go otherworldly hot in May? Yeah, he it's, was ridiculous in May. He was yeah. possibly the best player in baseball in that month. I mean, his his numbers were off the chart. Yeah, he was beating the crap out of the ball. And obviously the slump that followed was probably matched. You know, it was probably equal one magnitude. of the biggest reasons yes. that they only <laughs> won five games in, in one of those months. So it was it's one of those. It's hard to look back on this trade and say that at any point I missed Dalton Varsho. Yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, maybe maybe people did miss Dalton Varsho in, in some ways. But the reality was the D-backs had so much depth. Uh, in terms of left-handed hitting outfielders already. There was such a traffic jam. They were trading from a position of depth. The Blue Jays, obviously, as well, were trading from a position of depth. Uh, I think the deal at the time, you know, I think it made a lot of sense for both sides. What I wrote uh, the night that the trade was made, this was sort of uh, my analysis of the of the move that I wrote over at gophnx.com. Anyone who thinks the D-backs fleece the Blue Jays doesn't recognize just how valuable Varsho is. And anyone who thinks the Blue Jays fleece the Diamondbacks don't understand uh, or doesn't understand or doesn't recognize how rare it is for a prospect of Moreno's caliber to even be moved in the first place. Moreno was a guy who I think in in the mid-season prospect rankings from Baseball America, 
he was a top five prospect. He was like right. He was just like a couple spots behind Corbin Carroll uh, on that list. That's how good. That's how well thought of Gabriel Moreno was. And you just don't see guys move like that. You don't see guys in that position move very often. It was it was the kind of trade that we just don't really see. Like we don't really see teams trade like, all right, I'm going to give you my best prospect yeah. uh, in exchange for a very valuable major league player from from another team. And it's one of those, like, I just, Danielle said it in the chat, you can't quantify the value of a young franchise catcher because that position yeah. already is just thin. It's a, it's a group of guys that you just, you don't walk into the, like a JT Real Muto all that often. Right. Like you're, you, you really just hope with that position that you don't get, uh, you know, somebody that's for lack of better examples here like if jose herrera started every game after carson kelly went down with an injury where like where's this team now and and yeah and gabby started the season pretty cold actually like it it, it wasn't a great start for him um and so it was one of those ah man but at the same time was it be- it was better than what you had anticipated and it, it was better than what 50 60 percent of teams had and now looking back on it you you have something that's probably better than what 90 percent of teams have uh, behind the plate because the, the value of a catcher isn't just whether you can hit it's also yeah a few, like if you can throw people out that's a weapon if you can call a great game that's a weapon if you, like that the person that sits behind the plate is so invaluable to who's on the mound to the point where when this team signed Zach Granke they literally had to go out and sign Jeff Mathis just to come here and catch for him <laughs> like he was so particular about who he wanted to catch that the team had to go out and make a move. Like there are pitchers that like just don't mesh well with a catcher. And across the board, it looked like pretty much everybody on this staff had better numbers with Gabby Moreno behind the plate than they did with Carson Kelly. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's also well documented that the Diamondbacks just in games that Gabriel Moreno started had a substantially better record than games where he didn't. I don't have the number in front of me. I think there were something like 21, 22 games over 500 uh, in the games that Gabriel Moreno started, which would mean they were about, you know, 15, 16 games under 500 in games that he did not start. So just an enormous difference there. And yeah, I mean, beyond the pretty solid offensive numbers we showed earlier, Moreno wins the NL Gold Glove in his first full season. Uh, he hits third in, in the lineup in the majority of the Diamondbacks postseason games on their way to the World Series. Not a bad season uh, for a guy in, in, his, in his first run at the majors at just 23 years old. Impressive stuff all, all across the board for Gabriel Moreno. I, I do think it's important to point out now uh, I, I think that while the Diamondbacks certainly got the better end in year one, I mean, Lourdes was a huge piece for them. Moreno was a huge piece for them. Varsho had a bit of a, a down season overall. I still think that the the Blue Jays could do totally fine in this trade in the long term. Uh, Dalton Varsho, if, if Dalton Varsho can have an 85 OPS plus and still be like a four war player, That's, according to baseball reference. How, yeah, how yeah, much I weight mean, is there on his defense? Yeah, like, it, I, like, it, it kind of defies logic. But just think about like how good could Varsho be if he just got back. He to did the, still hit 20 homers. I mean, yeah, he, he still hit. He still had some power. But like, what could it look like if Varsho had like a 110, 115 OPS plus, which I think is totally a reasonable goal for him. Well, yeah, he's probably a 30 home run guy if he's having 
having an up yeah. offensive season. He's got a lot of pop in his bat, and he runs pretty well. I mean, he he does a lot of the, he you know it, like you guys used to he got all the tools right. Dalton Varsho has all the tools, <laughs> and and so it's one of those like he inherently just has value in every asset of the game, um, but this team had players that could fill those positions right like Alec Thomas he statistically is not a better defender than Dalton Varsho but he plays a mean center field like I don't know if I want anybody else other than Alec Thomas out in center field right now and Corbin's got a bat and you know Alec has shown signs of life in his bat Um, the one that you're really waiting on is Jake McCarthy but would you have gotten the same value out of Jake McCarthy yeah, you're not getting Gavin Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. out of Jake. McCarthy. Right. Yeah. And that's a that's a great point. That's another thing I wanted to touch on quickly is just uh, the D-backs traded away their most established outfielder at the time. I know, you know, we think back to to this point and like Corbin Carroll, of course, out of this group winds up being the best player, at least as of right now. But Corbin Carroll had only played a couple months. Um, They're really about a month in the majors. I don't think the D-backs were going to trade him anyway. They certainly viewed him as a long-term piece. We now see why. But yeah, I mean, if you had a choice between trading Varsho, trading Alec Thomas, trading Jake McCarthy, Varsho was certainly your most established player at the time. And what Mike Hazen said was that was sort of the price we had to pay in order to get the level of impact that we wanted in return. And yeah, like you said, if you traded McCarthy, if you traded Alec Thomas, you could get something. But, you know, Mike Hazen said it was going to be less. It was going to be less in terms of years of control where the D-backs are maybe getting back a player that had less control uh, as opposed to this situation where they get back a player that has more control or just in general, uh, you know, just less impact. Right. You're not getting a player of Gabriel Moreno's caliber if you if you were to trade one of those guys and in retrospect, uh, you know, McCarthy and Thomas didn't necessarily have great seasons, but this still feels like the right the right choice was made here. Yeah, I actually have always wondered, like, who was the one that made the final call? Right. Like, was it the Blue Jays that said, all right, we'll give you like, are, are they the ones yeah. that are saying we want Varsho? So here's Gabby and, and Lourdes. Or is it is it Mike Hazen that's saying, like, we really want this guy? Because that's always a unique position to be in. Right. It's it's one of those like, who's the one that made the final call? Because is is Hazen the one that was seeking the generational catcher? Or is, you know, was it the Blue Jays that were looking for an established out? So it was just, yeah, it was kind of almost like the match was made, right? Those two teams both had a need for a certain type of player. And they both traded from a, a position of organizational depth because the Blue Jays had another good catcher. Alejandro Kirk had good numbers. Like they were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they had flexibility to say, all right, it, you know, Gabby has all the talent in the world, like, probably one of the better defensive i mean that was one of the things that was touted in his minor league career was like yeah he's probably going to be one of the next great defensive catchers um because that's a that's a tool that almost follows you through every rank right yeah your bat you can develop at certain spots but defense is not something that you're just going to make some crazy leap in yeah Um, you don't often see guys who are like you know scouts are skeptical that they're going to make it as a catcher in the big leagues and all of a sudden they like win a gold glove or something that's pure talent right like everybody knew gabby had a hose Right. Everybody, everybody knew that, (laughs) that, that he was, you know, a very solid piece behind the plate. It was whether or not the bat was going to develop. And so the Blue Jays felt like they had, uh, I think somebody brought it up. I think it was Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. Like they they had the depth to be able to do this because they were like, well, our window's a little bit different. Um, We're giving up Gabby, which is quite possibly 
it looks like he's the best of those three catchers now. I'd like I don't know if I can finite say that because we've seen one season. Yeah. But it it does look like he has the talent to be the best of those three guys. By far the most valuable asset moving forward. There's yeah. there's certainly there's certainly no question about that. Uh yeah, fascinating trade. Uh the anniversary, the one year anniversary was just five days ago on the twenty third. Uh, thought it was thought it was worth uh, visiting here on the podcast. We'll see how this thing turns out. Again, if I'm a D-backs fan, I'd be a little hesitant to chalk this up as a far and away victory at this point. You've still got three more years of Dalton Varsho and what he can provide the Blue Jays. You've got five more years of Gabby Moreno from this deal uh, with the D-backs. I know Lourdes has been extended. That's a little bit of a, a separate matter now. Uh, that being, uh, you know, a completely separate investment from the trade. Uh, but we'll see how that how that uh, evolves sort of over time. Uh, our friends at Simburros are are outstanding. This is a newer sponsor of ours. Um, I am I am an enormous fan. Uh, Simburros is is absolutely absolutely incredible. They have drive-throughs, which is also one of my favorite things. Nobody wants to like get out of your car. It's entirely too much work. Uh, Simburros is family-owned and operated, and was voted Arizona's most loved Mexican restaurant. They have easy party platters as well to feed a crowd, an all-new taco bar to impress your amigos, and with margaritas to go, you'll be the guac star of the season. That's fantastic. Uh, Can you imagine Max writing this? This is Max. Yeah, this is absolutely Max. This is absolutely Max who is behind all of these terrible puns. Uh, But yeah, come check out their newest locations in Goodyear, Peoria, and I-17 and Joe Max, or visit someburrows.com to find one year you near you let some bros cater all your holiday fiestas big or small order online or find one near you by visiting some seasons eatings with some burrows after you get your some burrows you hopefully have some sort of a concert sporting event something or other that you're heading off to uh and for that you can get your tickets over at game time game time offers a personal experience buying on their app it is very aesthetically pleasing as we say all the time most beautiful ticketing app in the business it's also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code phnx for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code phnx for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right we're going to talk about zach gallon uh this guy who is pretty good uh, i think we can safely is that a safe bet i think in my and i know it, it's taken me years of you know building up my analysis wisdom in order to make this judgment but yeah i think zach allen's a pretty good major league pitcher uh if we look at his numbers from the 2023 season brilliant performance across the board here 210 innings set far and away a career high in that regard of course there was also uh you know almost 40 innings tacked onto that in the postseason he had a 347 era a 112 whip a 26% strikeout rate, 5.6% walk rate. Both of those are excellent. Uh, 5.2 wins above replacement on fan graphs. That is also a very, very big number. If we compare, however, his 2022 season to his 2023 season, um, you could argue that as good as these numbers are, this was a bit of a down year for, for Zach Gallen. I think that's a that's a fair case to make. A 254 ERA in 2022 compared to the 347. This past season, 091 whip in 2022 compared to the 112 this year. Strikeout rates about the same, uh, but last year he had a 185 opponent batting average, 
compared to 237 this season. Jacob, was Zach Gallen bad in 2023 by uh, by his standards? Okay, we're not we're (laughs) we're not about to do this. He was not bad by 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 Zach Gallen's standards. His yes, he had a down year, and I think by the eye test, I don't know if you would agree with me on this. He got hit hard. Yes, 100%. At, at times, like even in his his starts that were, um, hello Saul. <laughs> even even in his starts, I'm amazed <laughs> that it took 25 minutes for someone in the office to, to, to come, come in, behind. To yeah, come and do that. I knew yeah. it was going to happen at some point. <laughs> um, so the eye test at times, it was like, man, like, but he was. It almost felt like he was leaving a lot of stuff over the middle of the plate. Um, his location wasn't where we had become accustomed to like, just like I've talked about with Merrill Kelly before, like he's not a guy that's going to blow something past you. He yeah. can hit 96, but he's not going to blow his fastball by you. It's, it's his mix of pitches. He's got a killer changeup. His curveball is as touted as it gets. Um, you know, he's, he's got a, a cutter. He's got the four seam. So he's got an arsenal of pitches that he can work with. Um, but one of the developments that I saw out of him this year that I really was surprised by was the amount that he switched from utilizing his changeup to throwing more curveballs. Because I felt like in 2022, his changeup almost felt like the most deadly secondary pitch that he had. At times, it seemed like a lot of his strikeouts were coming on that changeup. And, and maybe it's a move that Strom told him to make. Um, obviously, his curveball is extremely good. There's nothing wrong with the curveball, but yeah, I felt like I was really disappointed in his lack of use of the changeup. Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at the usage numbers, um, I guess a slight tick up. Uh, he was at 20, 21.9% curveballs in 2022. That ticked up to 22.7 in 2023. Uh, changeups went down from 14.2 to 13.9. Somewhat negligible there. Um, I guess part of that story is that he did cut down on his changeup usage a little bit last year as well. Um, if we look at Zach Gallon's baseball savant page uh, from 2023, which this is definitely not the end all be all of how you should be uh, analyzing pitchers. Um, but uh, there's actually a, a decent amount of blue. If you look at this page, yeah. surprising amount of blue for the season that Zach Gallon had. You can see his expected ERA was actually 4.16. Um, nearly a full run higher than his actual ERA in the three fours. His expected batting average was actually um, worse than the league average at 254. And you very much, Jacob, were not mistaken in thinking that he got hit hard. Yeah. His average exit velo was in the third percentile at 91.5 miles an hour. His hard hit rate was in the fifth percentile at 46.2 miles, uh, 46.2%, I should say. Um, and yeah, there's still some some solid numbers there elsewhere. The chase rate was above average. Uh, his whiff rate was around league average, but actually significantly better than it was in 2022. The strikeout rate, the walk rate, both of those are really excellent for a starting pitcher he still did plenty of good things in 2023 there's there's no getting around that but I think there is this very real sense that Zach Gallen I'm hesitant to call it a down year because the man threw almost 250 innings and was the best pitcher on a team that went to the World Series. He finished third in Cy Young voting. He finished third in Cy Young voting. Yeah, which granted, part of that is that the you know the crop of of guys vying for that award this year was not quite on the same level that it's been uh, in years past. But still, it was a it was a very good season uh, for Zach Gallon overall. But really, from the very beginning of the 2023 season. It kind of felt like good, but not quite what we're used to It was to incredibly seeing. streaky. Yeah. 
to say the least. I mean, he went on the the really insane streak at the beginning of the year. Obviously, twenty eight yeah, innings, twenty eight innings short streak. Yes, yeah. but then he followed it up with like four or five straight starts where he gave up five runs. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember this. We did a watch along for uh, the game against the Pirates. The Pirates, yeah, yes. and it was one of those like, <laughs> oh, sweet, this is a Zach Gallen game. And then about like two innings into that game, we were like, oh, go, oh, oh. Weren't we kind of avoiding like Zach Gallon starts? There yeah, for a because while? I'm pretty sure that we had a streak of uh, our our watch alongs being really, really bad games. Yeah. Um, the moral of the story is that if Zach Gallon, whatever you know, down in, yeah. year Zach Gallon had, it was because of our watch alongs. Yes. Which Jacob Jacob is the one who made us do those, so you can you can you can blame him. I think the people would actually <laughs> ask for more of those next year. That's fair. I mean, I'm I'm down to do them. I just, you know, if it's going to jinx Diamondbacks players' performances, I don't know if people are going to be super on board with that. Uh, but yes, there was the May 19th game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Gallon was on uh, a, a very strong run at the time. He goes into Pittsburgh against a light-hitting Pittsburgh Pirates team. He gets shellacked. He gives up eight hits, eight runs. Uh, five of those earned four walks, two strikeouts, and three and a two three and two thirds innings. One of the worst starts of Zach Gallon's career, if not the worst. It was start hard to watch. That was hard to career. watch. Yeah, it was. It was just very, very, very uncharacteristic uh, across the board. Uh, he wound up bouncing back from that reasonably well. Uh, he wasn't still did not have his 2022 numbers, but he was still in good enough position to start the all-star game uh, for the national league, which of course was a huge accomplishment for him making his first all-star team, starting the game for the national league, striking out Shohei Otani, of course, uh, once he was in that moment. And then we get to the second half of the season where he was pretty steady, pretty solid for a while coming out of the all-star break. And then at the end of the year, Zach Gallen just didn't really look right. Uh, no. Over his last seven starts, Gallen had a 4.93 ERA and heading into the postseason, he did finish the year fairly strong. He was good against the Yankees. He was good against the Astros, but he had not been himself up until that point. And in the playoffs, we, we kind of saw that continue. Chris makes a really good point in the chat, and it's something that we've definitely tossed around here at the office. She said, I think for a good portion of last season, Kelly was better. Yeah. I trusted him more. Now, we've we've had really long debates about who is actually the best pitcher on this team because Merrill Kelly definitely has a case for that. Um, more, but I think more, I think more so I would, Merrill has grant. the case yes. because he is a more consistent pitcher. I would say if Zach is pitching the way that Zach can pitch, Every single game, which is what you expect from your ace, right? You watch a Blake Snell, you watch a Garrett Cole. They might have these outlier games like Zach had against Pittsburgh, but they don't follow them up with another three or four or five starts also giving up five runs. Like, they, yeah, you know what I mean? Like an ace is somebody that can go into a like go into a game after having a 28 inning scoreless streak, give up seven runs in three innings or whatever it is. And then the next game, they're back at it, right? Seven innings, one run, 10 strikeouts. Like, they're right back on track. And now, Zach is the guy that can do that. We watched him do it in 2022. He was phenomenal in 2022 about limiting. And, and for him, it's always about limiting hits because his his walk numbers are never... Yeah, he you know, posted, he's, he's, he had the best walk rate of his career this, this season. Correct. Yeah. So, so for him, it's about hits. It's about location. It's about strikeouts. It's about just not giving up hard contact. Um, so is some of this, is it an outlier? Maybe. Um, but Merrill Kelly was certainly a more consistent pitcher. 
However, I would say the ceiling for Zach Gallen is higher than it is for Merrill Kelly. Yeah, because 100%. I think what we've seen from Merrill Kelly is what you're going to get from Merrill Kelly. I think Merrill Kelly is at his ceiling. Now, I'd love for Merrill Kelly to prove me wrong. I'd love for him to come in the next season and, and improve, have a 2-7, 2-6, whatever it's going to be. But I think the better candidate to have an insane season next year is probably Zach Gallen. Because I think the, yeah. the real Zach Gallen is somewhere in between 2022 and 2023. Yeah, I mean, for... Uh, you know, for as much as Merrill Kelly took a step forward in 2023 and we spent like a whole show a few weeks ago talking about Merrill and how he's probably a top 20 pitcher in baseball at this point, which is which is really impressive. Just the way the way that he's developed and gotten better every year, even into his mid 30s. Zach Gallon still has the better stuff of these two pitchers. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and as far as the big picture question of what does it take for Zach Gallon to get over the hump? and actually win a Cy Young Award. Uh, he finished fifth in 2022. Yes, he did pitch worse in 2023, but he finished third uh, because the, it was the overall field kind was of a not, down year for pitchers, though. It was, yeah, the National League, Corbin Burns didn't quite have his prototypical season. Sandy Alcantara, after unanimously winning the award in 22, was was kind of a mess this season. Eventually needed Tommy John surgery. Uh, yeah, there weren't any there weren't any clear options at the top. Heck, the guy who won the award also led the league in walks, of course, uh, which was which was a very a very bizarre situation. But yeah, as far as Gallon taking the next step and finding a way to win the Cy Young Award and really reach this ceiling that I think we all know he has, the changeup is the key for me, yes. which you which yeah. you talked about earlier. When Zach Gallon came into the league in 2019, this changeup was filthy. filthy. It yeah. was it was. I talked to Zach about this during the season. His changeup when he came into the majors was his best pitch. No question about it. Curveball was solid. Fastball was solid. His changeup was the moneymaker. That was the pitch that made Zach Gallon elite in 2019. It made him elite again in 2020 when he got some down ballot Cy Young love uh, there as well. And then in 2021, which was a, a major down year for Zach Gallon by, by his standards, that pitch sort of took a step back. And and really since then, Zach Gallon has not found the changeup that yeah. he had in 2019 and in 2020. It has been it has been a different pitch for him. It's been a pitch that at times he's really only used to lefties. Uh, he it was a big pitch for him early in 2023 during that scoreless inning streak. It looked like he it might be back. That's something we talked about on this show. And then as the season wore on, it kind of sunk into the periphery of his arsenal, as you talked about earlier. Uh, and it became a useful pitch, absolutely a good pitch, but not the elite swing and miss weapon that it was when he first entered the league. There's also some interesting history here. Uh, this changeup is a pitch that Zach Gallen was sort of forced to throw uh, in his time pitching uh, in the Miami Marlins organization prior to the trade. Uh, this is some some reporting that I did during the season. I spoke with uh, former minor league pitching coordinator Chris Mahalik uh, of the Miami Marlins. He is now uh, with a different organization. I want to say the, the Colorado Rockies uh, AAA pitching coach. Um, and Chris Mahalik is the reason that Zach Gallen developed that changeup in the first place. 
Uh, it's a pitch that Gallon had thrown uh, growing up. It's a pitch that he kind of always had in his arsenal. But once he got into pro ball, it was about fastballs. It was about spin and and trying to generate swing and miss. And Mahalik basically told him like, "You're working too hard for this stuff. Like if you throw this change up, it's gonna you're gonna get more soft contact early in at bats. It's really gonna enhance your arsenal." And Gallon ran with it. And in 2020, uh, 2019, and 2020, as I said, it was a huge pitch for him. Yep. And these last few years, it, it just hasn't been the same. And in my mind, Jacob, uh, as, kind of as you touched on earlier, that that's the difference. If Zach Gallon ever finds a way to get back to that elite level changeup combined with a really good swing and miss curveball, consistently one of the best forcing fastballs in baseball with the ride that it has, the sky is the limit for how good he can be. He really could be the best pitcher in all of baseball if all of those things ever come together at the same time. For anybody that has watched Merrill Kelly throw his changeup that he was touting at the end of the year, that yeah. changeup that Merrill Kelly was throwing, I would almost even go out, like, just by the eye test, I would go out there and say that the one that I saw Zach Gallen throw when I worked for the team in 2019 was about four or five times better. I mean, it was yeah, it was a pitch that you watched it and you said there's no way in, in, in hell anybody could hit that pitch. Yeah. Like, it was it was... It was one of the better secondary pitches I had seen anybody throw at the time. Like it was, and so you pair that with the arsenal that he has. I think he accidentally, what did he accidentally throw that was mixed with it? It was a cut change or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was my, one so, of my favorite yeah. moments of the season. Vinny Pascantino is yeah. like, what did you, what just, did you throw? just throw? <laughs> and, and, and conveniently, it also had part changeup in it. So it was just one of the, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those, it's one of those things that it's like, Zach Gallen is an incredible baseball mind. Like he's one of those guys that he he's he's like I said, he's not going to go overpower you, but he studies meticulously. Every time you see him in the dugout, he's looking at an iPad. He's working on stuff constantly. He's kind of a stat head like Jesse. So it, it's, it makes, you know, perfect sense that those two get along talking about baseball statistics. <laughs> Zach Gallon is one. Of, he's a great, great person to talk to about baseball, especially if you're a nerd like me. For yes, sure. exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Jesse's a nerd. So him and Zach Gallon, they get along very well. Um, but that change up is such a key piece of what he's able to do. Um, especially as a location pitcher, because if you compare that uh, with, with like you said, the fastball and the curveball that he has, it might be the best three pit, pitch mix of almost anybody in baseball. The last thing I'll say uh, before we take a quick break here is just that throughout the entire season, Zach Allen talked about not really having the feel of his pitches. And this was true in spring training and in his first couple starts of the year when he was not throwing well. It was also true when he was right in the midst of his 28-inning scoreless streak and was striking out everyone. He still wasn't yeah, happy with Yeah, I didn't have the, my best stuff today. Yeah, he's saying that after every start. And Tori Lovello thought it was hilarious and ridiculous. And it, it was kind of funny to, to see those guys interact. Um, but yeah, I think there's some truth to the fact that Zach Gallon didn't have his best stuff in 2023. The movement on, on a lot of his pitches was very good and yet just kind of a tick, not quite as elite as They're it's been flat. in the past. Yeah. yeah, they were a little flat. There were, there were certainly moments and this is especially true of, of the changeup. Uh, he told me that when that pitch gets more horizontal, it is less effective for him, and that is something that we saw this year. That pitch tended to be more horizontal than than vertical, uh, as it's been in the past. So, yeah, I mean, and, and it's totally a credit to Zach Gallon that his stuff can tick down. He can feel terrible about the way his stuff feels, 
and he still goes out there and gives you 250 innings uh, and is a really effective pitcher across the board. Um, a, a really remarkable season from Zach Gallon overall. I don't want to take away from that, but there's another gear here for him to reach. We'll see if he's able to take that step in 2024. Uh, we're about to get into some fun uh, betting odds uh, for uh, for 2024. We're going to take a look at the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Uh, so if you haven't already, be sure to download the BetMGM Sportsbook app um, on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Uh, you can sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account, place your first wager, and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Uh, as I said yesterday, a really incredible intro offer uh, right now from BetMGM. So if you've been on the fence, if you haven't done it yet, this is as good a time as any. Uh, so once again, sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through a BetMGM Sportsbook mobile application of at least $10. If that bet loses, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Check out the show notes for full details. And now listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Ontario. Thank you, Jacob. Finally, someone someone did that with me. Um, I still miss Derek. Uh, and uh, if uh, again, Derek apparently uh, doing his golfing thing, whatever. Uh, but we know that OGs is certainly a part of his day off uh, here today, and it should be part of your day off as well. Uh, it's uh, just picture this: it's you on the couch, your favorite team is on the screen, and a bag of OGs gummies is in hand. That is always a winning combination, whatever team you happen to be rooting for, especially if you're a Suns fan. I know that yesterday was a, a promising development for Suns fans, uh, but some of you might want to keep uh, the OGs close because it seems like once things uh, seem good for the Suns, they immediately take a turn for the worse. I'm still emotionally preparing myself for that. Um, but OGs, uh, they have a variety of bold flavors. Uh, they are a slam dunk for your taste buds. Plus, you can customize your experience based on desired effect and strength. To learn more about OGs gummies and where you can find them, head on over to OGsBrands.com. Well, as I said, we are going to jump into a way too early look at some betting odds for various things uh, in baseball in 2024. Uh, we'll start. Uh, this is just some, uh, some some Vegas numbers that I came across on Twitter. Some of you might have seen this as well. Um, this is the NL Cy Young uh, uh, odds for 2024. Zach Gallen came in sixth on this list for the National Oof, League. That's that's criminally underrating. It him. is. It is. Uh, it feels a little bit low is he for sure. Ahead of Yamamoto, he is ahead of Yamamoto. Uh, he is behind Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler, Logan Webb, Corbin Burns. Uh, so I I apparently can't count. He is fifth, <laughs> not sixth. Uh, sorry about that. The math is, guy. The math. Yeah. Can't do math. Know. Uh, what what can I say? Uh, of course, last year, uh, Gallon finished third in Cy Young voting. As we said earlier, only Blake Snell and Logan Webb finished ahead of him. Um, so I guess they have they have Strider leaping over him. They have Wheeler uh, leaping over him, at least in terms of odds. Uh, Logan Webb ahead of him again, and then Corbin Burns, who was good for the uh, for the Brewers in 2023. Uh, they have him at slightly better odds 
2024. So yeah, maybe a little bit of disrespect there uh, for Zach Gallen. I certainly would understand if, if people feel that way. Uh, but he is, uh, you know, he's been sort of uh, doubted his entire major league career. Uh, that's just sort of always been the situation for Zach Gallen. If you go back and look at his scouting reports from like MLB pipeline, when he was within the St. Louis Cardinals organization, they graded all of his pitches as being like 45s or 50s. And some is, you know, kind of a high floor guy, but a back end starter. It's, it's funny looking back at that now. Um, we do have a graphic here of World Series uh, betting odds, which, of course, the Diamondbacks, the team that were in the World Series, one would think Oof. they would maybe be Oof. at least somewhat near the top. Not really the case here, Jacob. Although have, they, they are the this show, this you're counting, you're counting would have been correct on this. They are the sixth favorite out of the National League. So, they, yeah, let's count. So, Cardinals, so they, are, they are a playoff Mets, team. Phillies. According Braves, to Dodgers. this, they are a playoff team. According to this, if they're the sixth, so they would be the third wild card team again. According to this, theoretically, yes, yeah. In terms of their their placement here, there are a total of three, six, nine. If I can count here, there are thirteen teams ahead of them. So they have the Diamondbacks at the fourteenth best odds to win the World Series, which I you know totally get that you're not going to put an 84 win team at the very at the very top of this list. Uh, I don't think that would make sense. I wouldn't have done that if this were me. But there are still some interesting things here, Jacob, like the Yankees at third feels pretty bold, uh, given that they did not just sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, the Cardinals and Mets both being higher than the Diamondbacks on this list is also interesting to me. Yeah, the Cardinals, especially the Cardinals after having the down year that they had i mean they were picked yeah. to literally win the nl central at times and it just didn't pan out i mean that and yeah. they did nothing to improve like they're pitching they signed lance lynn uh they signed sunny gray correct and they signed, they signed um, sunny gray yeah. kyle gibson right i want to say yeah so i mean they added guys but to me they added guys that other than maybe sunny gray just don't really add any value in yeah. my eyes like lance lynn is not the lance lynn of old no, no, he's not. And uh, Diamondbacks fans could tell you that about is, is about as good as anyone uh, based on what happened in, in the NLDS. Uh, yeah, the Mets also a little bit puzzling. Uh, I, I think they're a better team than they played in, in 2023 for sure. We'll see what they do the rest of the offseason. Uh, but putting them ahead of the Diamondbacks feels uh, maybe a little surprising, at least at this point. A little, little surprised at how low the Rays are on this list as well. I know they've they've traded some key pieces off their off their major league roster, uh, but I still view them as being, you know, a, a pretty formidable talented team going into 2024, certainly higher than the Mets and the Cardinals and the Twins, uh, yeah. which uh, yeah. this by by according to this are all ahead of them. The, the in Mariners, the Mariners are ahead of them, which is also pretty like what did the Mariners do? Yeah, the Mariners have I mean, they added Mitch Garver, but they they still have a lot of work to do. They as lost well. a lot. If we look at the uh, if we look at the NL West here, uh, this one I think is is probably reasonable. This is fair. Uh, they have Dodgers, D-backs, Padres, Giants, Rockies in that order. Uh, they have the Dodgers at minus two seventy five. This is on uh, BetMGM Sportsbook as of this morning. Uh, they have the D-backs in second place at plus five hundred. So the Dodgers far and away the favorites to win the NL West. I think that's pretty hard to argue with. Uh, if we switch to saves, the saves uh, uh, leaderboard here. Uh, as far as who will lead all of baseball in saves in 2024, this one is interesting to me. They have Paul Seawald fourth on this list. Pretty, pretty impressive. Jump around, um, Jesse. Jump around, indeed. Uh, Manuel Classe, number one. Josh Hader, number two. Edwin Diaz coming back from injury at number three. 
Paul Seawald had 13 saves with the D-backs this past year in about a third of a season, so he was on roughly a 40 saves per year pace. That's reasonably could be near the top of the league if he stays healthy the entire season and continues to be effective. I could certainly certainly see that that making sense for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny that they're 13th in the World Series odds, but their closers projected to have the fourth most saves because that means you think that this team's I mean, if you're if your closer has 40 plus saves, you're winning a decent amount of games. Yeah, because obviously you don't need a closer to save every game because you're going to hope that you're going to win some games by more than three runs. Um so it's interesting to see that th- this is the projection, uh, but but that he like Josh Hader doesn't have a team right now. Edwin Diaz is a big piece for the Mets, but is he the guy that's going to go help them be better than the like the Diamondbacks? Like you, yeah, you, it takes, your, more your whole team Diaz. is more important because your whole team has to get you to the end of the game with the position right. to get a save. Yeah. So it's th- this one was a little bit weird for me to see because it's contradictory to what the other the world series odds said. Yeah, that is, that is odd. Um, I mean, I guess they don't necessarily, I, I don't know if they're thinking in those terms of like, all right, if we do, if with the odds say this yeah. in one area, yeah. does it have to match up in another area? Uh, last thing we're going to look one's at weirder than anything else. Yeah. This, <laughs> I mean, just the way that they framed this, uh, for MVP in the national league, they have Shohei Otani versus the field, um, which is kind of a bizarre way to look at this. Uh, they have Otani at plus eight seventy five, So he's not favored or anything, but Otani is going to DH in 2024. Are we counting the revenue he drives for the sport? I, I, like, don't, I don't know. Uh, to my knowledge, he's not gonna pitch. to my, my knowledge, no designated hitter has ever won the NL uh, or the MVP award in either league. It is extremely hard to do. Obviously, Otani's Otani, and if anyone was going to do it, you figure it might be him. Uh, but yeah, this didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Yeah, I mean, it's just this is this is just the media hype to me. Like, yeah, that's this just, is the media hype. This yeah, is I crazy. I mean, this they're is, not. This is crazy. They're not favoring Otani to win the award. I just think it's funny that they framed it in this way when it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh, to bet on on Otani. Well, at this point. you should. Otani was like the the any other player was the overwhelming favorite there. Yeah. So I mean, it was minus sixteen hundred, which right, is like right. it's basically them saying like, "Haha, this is the joke." But yeah, at the same if you time, like, bet on give Otani, me some legit candidates, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get I'm sure yeah. some more specifics on that later on. Um, yeah, maybe you don't want to bet on Shohei Otani to win the MVP, but what you do want to do is become a PHNX diehard if you have not already. Uh, if you do so, you can get access to all the writing behind the paywall over at our website. Uh, at gophnx.com. That includes writing from me, uh, Craig Morgan covering the Coyotes, Gerald Bourget on the Suns. Uh, a lot of fantastic content over there, both in written and uh, video format. We're tapping more into that as time goes on as well. Uh, so be sure to become a diehard if you have not already. Uh, we also today is uh, Arizona Scratcher, Arizona Lottery Scratchers Day, uh, Jacob. So if you want to pull yours out real quick, uh, we love our friends over at Arizona Lottery and uh, Scratchers, as we've talked about extensively on this show. Uh, make a uh, an excellent an excellent gift for anyone in your life. Um, and as I said yesterday, if there's someone that you, uh, that, you know, didn't quite make the cut in your, uh, in your holiday shopping, someone you feel like you need to, uh, do justice to and get them a little something else, you can get them a whole lot of money, uh, with our friends over at Arizona lottery. Um, how are we looking over there, Jacob? Uh, I, I did not win, but I won the last time. So. Okay. All right. 
Uh, doesn't look doesn't look great for me as well. Um, but yeah, we've we've had we've had some we've had some, some good winners. Luck. We, yeah. uh, we've we've had some winners here recently. Uh, so if you haven't already, be sure to get in on Arizona Lottery Scratchers. Uh, they are a fantastic gift um, to give to someone really at any time of the year. Um, so be sure to get in on that if you have not already. That is all that we have here in this Thursday edition of the PHNX D-Back show. As always, be sure to give us all a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Jesse and Friedman. You can find Jacob at Jacob underscore Franklin four. Uh, of course, you want to follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore d That's our beat account where a lot of the fun memes and ridiculous things that Derek comes up with uh, always show up. Um, and of course, all roads lead to at PHNX Sports. That's on Twitter Instagram and Facebook. Uh, well, once again, thank you all for being here. We really appreciate your time. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when Zach Gallen is at the top of his game.